Thank you. Thank you. And we appreciate uh, Woody's ministry today on the piano. Woody's a good brother from Northside Baptist uh, ministering with us today. Thank you, Woody. I think a lot of Northside Baptist, Pastor Jeff, wonderful, wonderful ministry there. And uh, thank you for your ministry to us today. Thank you. Family, Jimmy has read from us Jonah chapter 1. Now, with all honesty now, in your heart, do you believe what we just heard and see? That this man Jonah, this preacher, this prophet, has been told by God, go to Nineveh. That city, it's a great city, it's a large city, but it is evil. And all that follows, that great large city, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, evil. It boasted, it was proud of its atrocities, of cruelty, of abuse, of torture against its enemies, those they captured. They were so proud of their cruelty that on the sides of walls they would paint to deplete the horrific treatment of their captives, often long and drawn out torture leading to death. It was an evil city. And Jonah is told to go there and preach of the Messiah to come of grace and mercy. Jonah did not want the people of Nineveh to experience grace and mercy. He wanted God to punish them. Severe punishment. In a sense, for Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against such cruel people would be something like a preacher being told during Hitler's reign. Preacher, you alone go into Berlin and confront Hitler. And tell him to repent. Tell him forgiveness is permitted. A dangerous assignment. And Jonah said, no way will I go and preach of your grace and your mercy to these cruel, abusive people. And so Jonah, instead of obeying God, begins to run away from God. Tarsus, a city a long way off. To get there, it takes a ship. Jonah goes to Joppa. He pays the fare. He finds a ship going to Tarshish, and he gets aboard. He's exhausted. On board, he goes down. He finds his bed and falls asleep, a deep, deep sleep. But see, God loves Jonah too much to leave him alone. God cares for those sailors in that boat too much just to neglect them. God is concerned for the people of Nineveh, that great city with evil people. 
And so God in his mercy sends a storm, a terrible storm, a category five, we would say. And those veterans, probably veteran sailors aboard that ship become terrified. Certainly they've gone through storms, but nothing like this. And they become so scared and frightened. They say, we're going to drown. This, this boat's going to tear apart. Let's, let's throw over our cargo. I mean, that's what they were delivering. Throw it overboard, trying to save. And let's call out. To our gods. There's got to be a God who's in control of the storm, our life, our death. Call out to your gods, sailors, and they did. Where's Jonah? Captain finds him asleep soundly. I, I can't imagine how someone could sleep in such a terrible storm, but he was soundly asleep. What do you mean, is our paraphrase? How can you sleep? Call out to your God. You must believe in one. And Jonah owns up to what's going on. The sailors, Jonah realized that someone is responsible and everyone's being punished, and so they cast lots. We're not sure what that is. Different theologians tell us different things. Some say it's writing one's name on a stick and picking the stick and whoever it is. Others say it's something like rolling dice. Others say it's something like stones and colors, but it came out. In casting lots, that Jonah was the one responsible. And he owns up to it. Yes, this is what I've done. I'm running away from God. And you need to throw me overboard. I'm responsible. Now, Jonah is either saying, throw me overboard because he is submitting to God. He's owning responsibility for his sin. Or it's out of desperation. He wants to die. He wants to commit suicide because he still doesn't want to go to Nineveh. We're not sure. But he says, throw me overboard. The men, those sailors, are more concerned about Jonah's life and welfare than Jonah the preacher is concerned about them. They're concerned about him. They don't want to throw him overboard. They want to save him. He's not concerned about them. They're hesitant. They don't want to throw him overboard. They keep rowing as hard as they can, trying to get to dry land, safety, but they're unable to do it. Reluctantly, they call out to God, God, don't hold this against us. The shedding of a man's blood, don't hold us against us. But do what you know is best in your sovereignty. And they throw him overboard. Calm. On that tempestuous sea. Raging. Deadly ocean. Calm. And God, in his mercy, God's purpose will find fulfillment at just the right place 
At the very moment when Jonah goes overboard, God has designed and planned for a large fish to be there. (laughs) The right place at the right time to swallow him. Later, to vomit him up three days, three nights later. Do you believe this story? It's true and historical. Folk, Jesus believed it. He believed it. We must believe it. It's true. It's true. It's historical. Jesus believed it. And Jesus used it in his teaching. Let's see what Christ says about this historical true event. Let's see. Look, please, at Matthew. Matthew. 25, 40, and 41, Jesus takes this true story and uses it for teaching. He's preparing those who are hearing him for his own death, his own burial, the resurrection that will occur, that though he takes sin upon himself, punished for sin that he did not commit, Jesus says this in verse 40, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus believed it. He says, look, it happened. Jonah is real. He stayed in that belly, that stomach of that great fish for three days and three nights. And so Jesus saying, he himself will stay in the grave three days and three nights in the very heart of the earth. Folk, I remind us, that Jesus descended into hell. Jesus took the wrath and punishment, judgment against sin that he did not deserve. On behalf of all of those the Father gives to him, for all who will truly repent of your sin, turn from your sin and believe on Christ, someone, either you or Christ on your behalf will spend eternity. You in hell are Jesus in your place for those three days and three nights. Either you or Christ in your place. Hallelujah. Jesus continues in verse 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah goes to Nineveh, we see in chapter 3. He preached of God's grace, of his mercy. The Holy Spirit breathes life into those people, evil, wicked, cruel, depraved people like us. 
And they were convicted of their sin. And they believed on the Savior, the Messiah to come. They repented of their sin. And Jesus is saying, someone greater than Jonah is here. Speaking of himself. Speaking of himself. Look also, please, at what Jesus says in Mark 10, 45. Mark 10, 45. Jesus says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, why did you come? Jesus came to come and serve all of those the Father gives to him. Jesus came to, as we see demonstrated to his disciples at that last meal, to wash their feet. Jesus came to serve. And the ultimate serving is when he went to the cross. He served by being that ransom, that payment against sin. The ultimate serving. How are we to respond? What is the response required of us, expected of us? I believe there are two. The first is, just as Scripture says... We are to daily, constantly repent of our sin. To repent of our sin. That's what Jesus says, repent, repent. Repent is not only a once-time event when we are born again, but it's a daily repentance. It's a daily coming after Christ. Daily denying ourselves, taking up the cross, says Jesus, daily to follow him. What is repentance? I like the definition our catechism gives us. It's beginning to see ourselves as the sinners that God says we are. Folk, I am and you are far worse than we realize far worse than we realize before a holy God. We are sinners who say things we should not, to have thoughts that we should not, behavior that grieves and quenches His Holy Spirit. We're sinners. But then, what is it? It's that work of the Holy Spirit where daily He's making us weak and helpless in ourselves, And we begin appreciating and appropriating more and more, the mercy of God in Christ. He's constantly, daily, hopefully convicting us of our sin, but also convincing us of the mercy of God in Christ, that he's willing to not treat us as we deserve, where we begin believing his grace is greater than our sin. So we're beginning to see ourselves more and more of the sinners that we are, but enabled to embrace Christ with a desire to begin hating our sin. 
hating our sin, and giving ourselves to Christ more and more in obedience. Folk, I confess, I do not hate sin as Christ deserves. The grieving and quenching of His Holy Spirit. But true, genuine, ongoing, Christ-honoring repentance is more and more grieving and hating those thoughts, those fantasies, those words, that hatred, that bitterness, that greed, that envy. That jealousy, more and more grieving and hating that sin. I make so light of sin. Ask God to give us a true Christ-honoring repentance where we grieve and hate our sin. But secondly, the second response, not only as we come to the table to eat and drink of Christ, but for everyday living, is resting, relying on Christ alone for your acceptance. It's repenting of our sin, wanting to more and more hate it, turn from it. That's what God is doing to Jonah. He's sending that storm to awaken Jonah. Jonah, what are you doing? Trying to run from God. No. Sailors, God's giving you the chance to repent. I like what Dr. Tim Keller in his sermon of Jonah and others. Pastor Keller believes these sailors were legitimately converted by their response, that they were experiencing the Holy Spirit. They did not want Jonah to get the punishment and judgment that he deserved. The words they say, oh Lord, they call, they use the same name as Jehovah God. Don't hold this sin against us. Don't find us guilty. True conversion says Dr. Keller and others. Notice when they, it was after the fact. It's when the water was calm. They didn't only cry out for help when things were, when they were about to die. They're praising our Lord. They're bringing their sacrifices. They're bringing their worship when all was calm. God is concerned about Jonah. He's concerned about these sailors, the whole city and people of Nineveh. And we're not, and we are not only invited to repent, we're commanded to repent. And rest in Christ only. Jonah could not make himself accepted. Nor these sailors, nor the people of Nineveh, and neither can you or I make ourselves repentant, accepted. Family, it's Christ's life. It's his deity. 
It's his humanity. It's his life of perfect obedience. It's Christ going to the cross to accept the wrath and hell of God that he did not deserve, to give his very holiness to all of those the Father gives to him. This we're celebrating today. We invite all who are in Christ, whether of this church or another, if you've gone before leaders of this or other churches, of like-mindedness, and you've confessed your sin and your need of Christ, if you're in good relationship either here or somewhere, we invite you to come and eat and drink. But I must warn us all, as we are warned in 1 Corinthians, do not come to the table in a flippant, casual manner No, we're to see something of the significance of Christ. We must have hearts that are turning from sin. We must have hearts, though disobedient. We're longing for Christ. I remind us that there were those in Corinth who came in such a casual, flippant manner that God punishes them with illness and even death. That's how serious God takes the Lord's Supper. He made them ill, and some he even punished by death. It's a holy, it's a sacred privilege and responsibility. So may we come in a way that honors and exalts Christ that is worthy of him, and will bring maximum benefit to your spiritual well-being. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for Christ who never, ever sinned and yet willingly became sin on behalf of all of those you've given to him that we become the very righteousness, holiness, and perfection of Christ himself. Thank you. The Father, these elements, this bread, this drink, will you separate now from their common use to that holy and sacred purpose intended by Christ for his worship and our spiritual good. Father, we're asking this in his name, in his authority, in his name, in his authority, as if he himself is asking. Thank you. Amen.